Welcome to the Big Sky Torch Talk podcast. Today I talked with Jordan Richardson, an expert and scholar in criminal justice reform issues from the Charles Koch Institute. Jordan and I have a brief discussion about criminal justice reform, why AFP Montana and the network at large supports these efforts, and some of the research surrounding this work. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, everyone. This is David Herbst with Americans for Prosperity Montana. Uh, I'm here with Jordan Richardson with uh, Charles Koch Institute. Uh, they're a think tank. Uh, he's come into Montana in order to uh, uh, provide his expertise about uh, criminal justice issues uh, for an event that we're hosting this evening with the Americans uh, Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU here in Montana, uh, to talk about criminal justice reform and to answer hard questions about how should we organize our criminal justice system so that we can live in a society defined by mutual benefit and equal rights? So, uh, Jordan, thanks for uh, being on TV with me or yeah, on, on Facebook. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, oh, and before we get started, I want to give a shout out to uh, Bad Betty's Barbecue, who's uh, allowed us to film here. Uh, we don't have an office in Helena. Uh, we like to stay out in the, in the community, and uh, we're really happy to feature them. They do great barbecue in Hel- here in Helena. Come check them out if you're ever in town. Uh, and uh, we really appreciate them uh, allowing us to, to post up here and shoot a video real fast. So, um, all right, awesome. So first off, just how would you describe your position on criminal justice reform? So when we think about criminal justice, we primarily approach it in three different ways. Now, the first issue is always necessarily going to involve cost because prisons are very expensive to maintain. Every year, the United States spends about $80 billion every year to maintain the criminal justice system. And if you look at state budgets across the country, criminal justice spending, especially on prisons, is usually the number two line item on every budget right after education or healthcare spending. So it's a matter of cost. Um, but it's also a matter of public safety. We want to make sure that the streets are safe. And if you are not investing properly in criminal justice, you're not going to be able to make sure that the people in your community are kept safe. But the third issue, and I think this is the most important thing, is that criminal justice reform is about human dignity. The idea that everyone is better than their worst day and that we're all capable of redemption at some point. And if you think about what our system is right now, We know that 650,000 people every single year are going to be released from prison at some point. They're going to complete their sentence and they're going to be coming back to our communities. And we have a choice. The choice is whether we're going to set people up for success when they come out and provide them with job training and education, or are we going to ignore them and allow a punitive system to dictate how they're going to go for the future? Mm. And unfortunately, what we see right now is that about two thirds of every prisoner that comes out of prison will be rearrested within three years of release. That's a failure system. That, if you look at any other government program and you had a 60% failure rate, you would say we should start over from scratch. Well, criminal justice reform is no different. We want to make sure that we are improving the system so that it improves our cost savings, the public is kept safe, and also that we are treating people as human uh, beings worthy of dignity. Mm-hmm. And so people can transform their lives when they get back into society, into members of society that are productive and, and not you know yeah. going back to a place that, you know, drives them to a place of dependency or right. and finds them in a, in a spot where they can't escape and a, a cycle or a trap of, you know, poverty and, and, interf- and, you know, bumping into the criminal justice right. system. I love that. So, uh, we took a lot of, uh, questions when we, uh, did our first press release with the ACLU and did our first press conference. There's a lot of comments on social media about, you know, Hey, how do, how do, how do, how do we navigate this? How do we talk about this as a community specifically for, uh, for Americans for Prosperity? We had a lot of supporters, Say, hey, you know, how does this fit within your mission 
at Americans for Prosperity. And I was, I was maybe have some thoughts on that. Like, how do you, how do you see the connection between economic freedom and criminal justice reform? I think you start first with what is the proper role of government? And when it comes down to it, the proper role of government is to is to keep the community safe so that liberty can prosper. And um, what we know is, as I mentioned, the fact that all these people are going to be released from prison at some point mm-hmm. is it would be better if they were in coming back and they had jobs and they were and they were c- contributing back to the communities that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, just like any other um, problematic, oversized government program, criminal justice system is giving barriers to opportunity for people who want to come back and said, you know, I'm a changed person. I want to come back and I want to be a hard worker, start my own business. But if you've got a criminal record in a lot of places, there are, it's very hard to get an occupational license to say, to drive a truck, to open a construction uh, company. If you wanted to be a barber, if you wanted to be a cosmetologist, all these jobs where people are, have got this creative will to be able to go out and do something. The government says, sorry, because you messed up before, we're not going to allow you the chance to do it again. Mm-hmm. And you know that is that is restricting what people should be able to do in society was to be entrepreneurs, to be job creators, mm-hmm. and contributing to an economy. And unfortunately, because of our criminal justice system has gotten so broad, mm-hmm. we now think that we must punish people even after they've come out of prison and mm-hmm. paid their time. Yeah. So if you want to think about the proper role of government, it should be expanding opportunity for people and not putting barriers in the way for people who want to come out and who have changed their lives for the better. Mm-hmm. So we took some questions from the field, and I want to give some more specifics. So what do you say to people who say that they're taking away law enforcement's ability to take a driver's license, uh, you know, fosters uh, uh, social irresponsibility? It sends a bad message to people who aren't paying their fines or fees, for example. Yeah, I mean, when we think about um, paying your fines and fees, if you are involved in the court system and you have a debt to pay, um, you know, it, it's natural to think that we should would want to try to make you ha- be incentivized to pay those court costs. Number one, I would I would say that our court system usually imposes too many fines and fees. So you're getting um, not just a fee for coming into court, but then there's a tax based upon that and a fee on that. Yeah. And your original charge could be ending up in a minor amount, say fifty dollar ticket, and you get two hundred dollars worth of fines and fees that you're alive. You're liable to pay for, and a lot of people when they come into the criminal justice system, they don't have a lot of money to begin with, and so I'd say number one we need to address is necessary to be charging these amounts of fines and fees. But even if you're at that point and you realize some of the fines and fees are legitimate, taking away someone's driver's license as punishment for not paying their fee makes no sense at all. It's like back in the old days, you used to have a poorhouse. If you couldn't pay your debts, you had to go live in a poorhouse locked up. Well, it does no one anyone any good if you can't be out getting a job, earning a living. And same thing with the driver's license. You know, so I come from uh, the Virginia and Washington, D.C. area, where if you visit there and if you're like in New York or Chicago, other big cities, public transit is a really big option for people who want to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Here in Montana, if you look around, public transportation is not the primary mode of how people get to jobs. That's right. People have cars and people drive there. And we know that 75% of people who have had their driver's license suspended will end up driving anyway mm-hmm. because they need to go see their family or they need to go see uh, their employer. Mm-hmm. And so taking away a mode of transportation from people who had no traffic violations. Mm-hmm. Now you think about that. Um, if you're if you've not been convicted of something that is related to driving offenses, why take away your ability to drive? Mm-hmm. It's an unnecessary punitive punishment. Yeah. So, so so say like you had your dog off a leash at the wrong park, right? And you get a fine for that. And then you for some reason it didn't you, you fail to pay, and they take away your driver's license. Now you yeah. can't go to work. 
for not having your dog on a leash. Yeah. And it, it makes no sense. And also the, the types of people who can't pay, if you think about it to begin with, are, are low income and they don't have money to begin with. If you don't pay your court costs, then you have additional fees that are stacked upon top of that. Mm -hmm. And then if you are get caught driving without a license, mm -hmm. you can be serving time in jail, mm -hmm. which is again, so counterproductive for what we actually want to do. Think about what is the purpose of this policy, mm -hmm. which is we want you to be a law abiding citizen contributing to the society and economy. But if you're taking away your number one transportation option, mm -hmm. it does no one any good. That's right. So is it likely that the, that a bill that decreases fines and fees or restricts those well, you know, reduce the amount of people paying the fees and then we'll have like a budget shortfall or something like that? I don't think so at all. And I think that what you've seen is the, the opposite, in fact, of where if you take away people's ability to drive, by definition, you are taking away revenue. Mm -hmm. You are taking away people's ability to pay into the system and to be able to get a job to pay back their court costs. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think cutting people off at the knees and then telling them you need to run a mile is not a great way of trying to get people back into society. That's right. Yeah. Not, not to mention just the net loss, yeah. the net loss of time. The net, and if they get incarcerated, the net loss then. So yeah. those on-ramps to incarceration, yeah. they happen and they don't just happen for free. They happen for reasons and they happen and it's costly when they happen. So we want to mitigate that whenever we can. We want to nip it in the bud. Right. And if you think about it, every criminal justice policy that we have, we have by choice. It's not as if someday, you know, we just stumbled upon a city government and said, hey, there's a bunch of rules here and this is how we need to always operate criminal justice because it's set in stone. Mm -hmm. Like we come up with this, you know, mm -hmm. we, we, the people will come up and we decide what is the best way to organize our society, to keep the public safe, to keep costs low and allow people to be thriving citizens. Mm -hmm. So we have a choice in this. And so the, unfortunately, driver's license suspensions for things that are not related to driving offenses are really counterproductive. And we have a choice that you can actually stop that and have a better alternative. Awesome. So uh, are there, uh, so some other states have done this ahead of us. Yeah. Uh, we're considering Montana, uh, four or five other states have already passed this sort of law. Um, what are the things that the courts do in those states to incentivize people to pay their fines and fees that doesn't cut them off at the knees like this? You know, one of the things that a lot of them do is they recognize, number one, if, you're, if you don't have the ability to pay for a lot of these fines and fees, um, it's not likely that you're ever going to um, if, if we just keep stacking them on. So a lot mm -hmm. of states have just realized we need to put a cap on the amount of fees that we're being tacked onto people who are low income to begin with. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense if they, if they, for instance, missing a payment in a lot of states, mm -hmm. you have to fine for that too. And mm -hmm. so it, these things just keep piling up on top of each other. Mm -hmm. um, so I think recognizing putting a cap on, on how much fines and fees, but also realizing, you know, if, if, if driver's license suspensions is not going to be the way we enforce it, there's all sorts of community service options you can do. And you can also have sort of payment plans that allow people to pay, you know, without interest, being able to pay back what they owe. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, this comes back to public safety. You want people who are contributing members of society. And if you have people who are stuck in debt, stuck in a cycle of poverty, who mm -hmm. are not getting jobs, you are creating a system worse, not just for them, but for their family members who depend upon them as well. And so you want a court that says you're not paying. So let's set up a payment plan. I mean, something that, you know, almost anyone would do if they're in a debt situation, they say, okay, you can't, you can't afford to pay off your whole credit card bill now. So pay off 50 bucks now. Right. And then they build that in. Oh, well, I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Well, thank you so much for coming up to Montana yeah. and uh, giving us your insights. And uh, we appreciate you watching the video. Uh, check us out on americansforprosperity.org. Uh, like us, follow us on Facebook. Uh, check out our, uh, if you go and sign up for our newsletter, we can let you know when we're doing things at the Capitol that matter to engage on criminal justice reform issue if this is an issue you're interested in. Thank you so much for your time.
Thank you for listening to the Big Sky Torch Talk podcast. You can find us online at americansforprosperity.org. Check us out on Facebook at Americans for Prosperity Montana, AFP Montana on Twitter.